When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy, and a man who, this weekend just gone, ate the world's most dangerous takeaway, Nathan (laughs) A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yes, there was an incident. Um... I don't know. Do I do I, do I want to divulge this information on the podcast? I, I wonder if it's fine. There could be a legal thing. Okay. Well, my my delivery driver uh, was crashed into whilst attempting to deliver my takeaway on Friday night. Whilst pulling into your driveway. Whilst put whilst attempting to pull into my driveway on the terrible road that I live in. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty scary. Everyone was fine in the end. Um, he was clearly experiencing shock, and in that shock, he was like, "Oh, are you number seventy three? I've got oh, your show so and I was like, "Don't." Don't worry about that. That's so let's, sweet. Let's, yeah. Oh my goodness. Bless him. Bless him. But yeah, everyone was fine. And then so. there was a really happy part oh. of the story, with the ambulance. Oh yeah. So there was, there was, he was delivering for us and then he was meant to go down the road into town and deliver to someone else. And obviously that wasn't going to fucking happen. Uh, we called up his workplace for him and, and let them know what was going on. And then we were sort of poking around thinking, oh, shall we have this, this second takeaway <laughs> in addition? Or is there anything in there that we want to get our hands on? <laughs> and then uh, because the, um, because there was an ambulance who just happened to be driving down the road like a minute after the crash happened because my dad was in the midst of phoning them and they were there i was like oh that was quick but they were just happened to be coming by they're like would you like an ambulance (laughs) and they were they were clocking off they were on their way to get food and then go home and then we were like oh well (laughs) there's this if you want this so they had to the the spare meal going bad news for you know number 23 (laughs) but um but it wasn't going to get to them anyway so that works out right yeah pretty crazy the damage was substantial i saw the photos and wow that was uh i mean lucky that no one was hurt very lucky that no one was hurt but yeah exciting takeaway nathan a handful of times in my life i've like started to get into cycling and like wanting to cycle to places mm. instead of driving places but the roads that i live on just makes that not like eventually if i if it becomes a regular thing that i'm doing i'm asking to get <laughs> knocked off the horrible thin 50 mile an hour roads that i live on so it's not happening 
And Bardi, you are you are currently crippled by Italy nerves. I'm crippled by anxiety. I was telling you guys um, before we before we started that Italy are a country as a football team that love re- resting on their laurels. And right now, Italy have a um, umbrella deck chair and they're properly in the middle of their laurels. They're, we can't score penalties. We can't score goals. Bellotti is is a mess. He looks like he's just been eating mayo and ketchup. And we've got to play Northern Ireland tonight. So by the time this comes out, we'll know whether or not Italy have, have made it to the World Cup. It's, uh, it's a bit of a fucking disaster. And uh, It's going to be funny to listen to one way or another, isn't it? <laughs> After the fact. Yeah, so um, we basically it's a crisis in the in the Lombardi household. We're all gathering tonight to try <laughs> with our willpower to get us over the line and, and make sure we beat Northern Ireland and keep our goal difference over Switzerland. I mean, to go into a goal difference against a team like Switzerland who can barely score goals, it just shows the situation that we're in as a, as a striking football team. I hope for your family's sake that uh, you win because it'll be pretty miserable to have your family round and then they lose. <laughs> Ah, yeah. I know deep down you want Italy to, to never win another match, Windy. I know that. No, See, I, I want I want them to qualify so England can beat them this time. Maybe, but... Oh, vengeance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I choose vengeance. You'll never take away that night at Wembley when we when football came to Rome. <sighs> Nathan, did you see Harry Kane's hat-trick? Uh, I did, actually. Not live, not at the time, not in the moment. Um, but after the fact, I've seen it. It's good. It was good. There were some good finishes there. The perfect. I liked trick. his assist for for mm. Henderson as well. I loved Henderson's goal. Henderson had a really strong match actually. I felt like take your word for it. Henderson, uh, Kane, and Reese James were the outstanding performers for England. Very very impressive. It's in the, the right back um, situation for England. It's absolutely fascinating. I don't think I've ever known one position be quite so so stacked for an England team. Like we have more than enough right backs for several generations of England teams. It's crazy. Um, and I think Rhys James now will be the, the preferred choice based on his recent performances and the fact that he fits the system so well. Like you, you, They need an athletic fullback who can deliver good crosses and he can. he's very athletic and he can deliver good crosses and he's good defensively. Makes sense to me. It does make sense. I just feel for Trent Alexander-Arnold, who I think is probably one of the best players in the world, but just doesn't really fit England's, England's system so much. He's brilliant and I think we need to find a way to involve him somehow but he's just not right for the system we play no but that's fine and I uh, like the England's big thing for the last pre-Southgate two decades was just taking your best 11 names mm. and shoving them onto the pitch and going why can't these losers <laughs> do anything why do they hate each other <laughs> so much they won't pass the ball to each other and it's like you you have to you have to build a coherent system and, and work backwards from there yeah. I think the space for, for Trent Alexander-Arnold is you know as a player in the squad who can come on and like you know sub on to right back mm-hmm. when we need to push for the winner and, and obviously his crossing is ridiculous maybe you want to find a sort of a specialist role within that um what, what his what his set pieces might be like although you have ward prowse potentially in the squad for that um so i do think there's a role for him but i don't mind him not being the first choice right back mm. but especially when you're boasting the likes of of james behind him mm-hmm. yeah it's been um it's been an interesting week of of spurs related content in the international break um, all of the Conte videos, not just Nathan's, but the uh, Spurs official videos. But Nathan, let's start off with yours that you've put together for our ex subs. Um, two videos this week. Two videos, yeah. So I didn't want to do. So I did. I've been doing previously the the good manager series where I do a really big in depth, like hour long look 
a manager and cover a, a vast sort of array of topics and I didn't really feel I had time to do that even with the international break I didn't want to try to push one of those out so I, I'm breaking it down into smaller pieces so I just did a, I did a foundational video which is talk, uh, answering the question of like what type of football do Conte teams play that one is free uh, I put it onto onto Reddit because it, I, I managed to just about trim it down to under 15 minutes <laughs> um, so it fits there and you can watch that one there and then I've also um because we're playing Leeds uh, next week, I did a special look into how Conte sets up against teams who press him high um, and, and, and looked at that question. So, yeah. And more to come. The I asked, I requested questions and topics on the Discord server from X subs for what they want answering. And I'm not going to lie, they're all immensely difficult <laughs> questions to answer, but I, I'll see what I can do. And I'll also see what else comes up in the meantime. Very enjoyable stuff. And then we had the the Spurs official sort of um, behind the scenes Conte video, which uh, I, I thought was very good. There wasn't too much new stuff, but uh, two bits in particular stood out. Bardi, I thought of you straight away, the first bit, the bit in the canteen, the uh, the food on the screen, the recovery targets, refuel and recover targets mm. with the, the number of grams of carbohydrates in each um, food item. Uh, that wasn't what the video was focused on, obviously, but that was happening in the background of the video, and you came straight to mind. Yeah, well, before that, it was actually Conte um, having a meeting with Daniel Levy at the table yeah. as mm-hmm. he was going through his um, his requests, and I was curious to see what everyone was drinking, and it warmed my heart to see Conte with a little espresso there. <laughs> Although the amount of plastic bottles on that table was quite disturbing. I highly recommend re-watching that first scene, uh, imagining that Conte is just grafting and he's trying to get his mates and his family <laughs> various jobs and he's he's pretending that they uh and, and he is uh he's a, a goalkeeping guy. I worked with him for many years and, and he's just like a long a really long list of people who need to be on Spurs wage books. My brother he he makes the videos and he plays yeah, he, he plays he, the videos. He <laughs> plays the videos for me. <laughs> for many years he's made the video he's play, press play on the videos for me and it was really funny it it was like a never-ending list wasn't it and you could just see (laughs) daniel levy's expression didn't change once it was literally the pace of it though it's the way it it really seems like he's making them up obviously the reason it's like that is because it's not his first language and he's working through and he's trying to explain himself but it seems like he's going uh and then this person they wash the you know whatever my dad, um, I saw my dad over the weekend and he was just like, oh, so you got new Amazon do- documentaries. Now my dad gets Amazon Prime and YouTube confused. <laughs> and, uh, so I saw the documentary on Amazon. I mean, and I was like, you mean YouTube? And he goes, yeah, he goes, Conte's got a lot of family. And I was like, yeah, that's the, the first impression I got. But the um, the canteen with all the eat healthy stuff, it just reminded me of my school canteen. It was the same. You'd go in and it would be have your fruit and veg. And then everyone was just smashing chicken and chips and chicken nuggets and no yep. one pays attention to it. Well, our players have no choice but to pay attention to it now. Mm. So Derek Fields uh, says, Is it a bit jarring to learn that players at the Premier League level had to be told they can't eat mayonnaise, ketchup, pizza and deep fried foods? It would seem that that would be just common sense amongst people who are expected to be in shape for a living. Uh, I mean, yeah. 
it's just common it, I mean, it's common sense for normal human beings just to reduce the amount of crap they put in their body. Um, and I think footballers should be, you know, their body is, is how they get paid. And I think it is a bit surprising and a bit worrying that uh, a, a manager's having to come in and tell this. I mean, the, the amount of money that we spent on that training ground, why, why is this happening? Why is this being allowed to happen? Is it just a case of player power that Harry Kane, I'm not, I'm not saying it's Harry Kane, but I'm going to use Harry Kane as an example, that he wants his fish finger sandwich when he finishes playing football <laughs> and the club has no They're option. Very nice. Very nice, I know, but you're, you're <laughs> windy <laughs> coys. You're not playing up front for Spurs. <laughs> So how can he get away with that? Um, when he's asking behind the counter, you got any ketchup? And they're going, yeah, here you go. <laughs> Why is this player power allowed to happen? Because there will be, there are nutritionists there, there are physios there and stuff. So it's a, it's bizarre that that this has come out and it's it's happening at Tottenham. But you've you've used the word reduce there. You mm. said you've implied less, but this isn't less. This isn't a reduction. This is a blanket ban on. All of these things. And I think that like even even in a high, like elite, absolute top level uh, athletic body, there's room for you to like have the occasional. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't waste I wouldn't waste my 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 ticket on a fish finger sandwich personally, but if that is that's your your one sort of fried treat, um then then so be it, Harry. Yeah, but um I agree. I, I it should be reduced, but I do think if they're having their if they're having their breakfast and lunch at the training ground, it, it just shouldn't be on offer. If they what they do in their own homes they need to be professional about, but at, at the training ground I wouldn't have it. I think one of Xavi's many lists of requirements that he's made at Barcelona is the players have to have lunch together. And I think that is an, envi- an environment you can control. They're, they should just be in their, their, their macros and the rest of it. They, they shouldn't be... A, you can just imagine the ketchup dispenser, the one with the pump handle that they're having five guys. <laughs> just imagine them smashing it and getting through five kilos of ketchup every week. It's ridiculous. Just just ban it from there. I, mean, I, don't, I don't disagree, but I just think that there's like... Um... God, there's just this endless back and forth cycle, isn't there, between each manager and the next and the last? Is that one manager takes the ketchup away and improves the fitness levels, and then the next manager comes in and breaks up the the authoritarian regime and puts the ketchup back on the table, and then the next manager yeah. after that, and it's always like you know it results in in you know coverage that comes through the the club's PR end, and it's just this. Just this weird endless cycle of the ketchup. Like the ketchup must have a special storage place because, like, you need it for the next manager to keep putting it away and bringing it back out. It's just I don't know. I I I I I think that there's there's room because if you're burning such an enormous number of calories, I think there's room for some variation away from just an absolutely perfect um, macro balanced diet. But um, there is, there is, there is. Of course, there is. This is this is symbolic. This is nothing more than a gesture. No, it's, I don't. No, I don't. I don't think that's true either. No, I do think that. No, no, no. I think. I think there's some truth. Like, okay, so here's what I think's happened. Conte's come in and he's he's shocked at the condition of our players. He cannot believe that we've allowed our players to become overweight, out of shape, unfit, and he's gone right. That's it. Zero tolerance. It won't be like this forever. But for now, zero tolerance. Let's let's let these guys know what it's like to be a professional footballer. Mm. You know, this is how you. This is how you have to be if you want to be a professional footballer. And it's a real shock to the system because, like you say, Nathan, there's a there's a back and forth. As the guard changes, they they are allowed things and they're not allowed things, and they're allowed things and they're not allowed things. And um, 
I'm all for it, to be honest. Like, I, I think players should be allowed to have a little bit of uh, ketchup with their occasional sandwich, if that's what they want. As a treat. As a treat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but not not when they've allowed... Like, I don't think this is the player's fault, by the way. I, think, I, th- I, I, blame, the, I blame the previous managers. I blame the club for allowing this to happen. Sure. When, but at, when you're out of shape... You diet to get back in shape. That's that you change your behaviors in order to get into the correct state that you that you're going to be your best. And I think that this is a completely reasonable um, policy from Conte. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's presented as banning the ketchup because that's a against the symbol. Headline, it's a, yeah, it's yeah, it's a headline. headline. It's, but there's more to it than that. This is this is changing the the dietary. This is completely changing the fuel that our players are having for the better in the short term. And then I'm sure in the future he will allow them to have a little treat every now and again and, and go easy on it. I completely, I'm completely at peace with that. I think like uh, nutritionally that's reasonable. I, I don't think that that quite that level of, of extremity is quite necessary. But I don't, I'm not against it. I'm obviously I'm not like a nutritional expert anyway. Um, but I I disagree with the idea that this is about like sending a message. I disagree with the idea that this is about like and what the coverage has been and what the fan perception has been has been like punishing these naughty players oh, who like who needs who need to like be put back in their place and that kind of thing. And that has been like the 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 lens of of this kind of mm-hmm. stuff is about this the joy around like. Yeah, having their take, like having the ketchup taken away from them because they haven't been good enough, rather than it just being like a nutritional decision mm-hmm. based around fitness levels. Uh, a nutritional decision based around fitness levels, I'm fine with, but the the idea, and I think it is a complete myth that they're like being made to suffer until they're good again, is just is really silly and really weird. It's I, a really I, weird. I wanted to talk around. about this. Um... Because I completely agree. I completely agree with what you just said. And the way it's presented in the in the media is, like you say, it's a punishment. It's a punishment for bad behaviour. You will suffer. And the term suffering is being used constantly. And then Spurs fans latch onto it because they, again, they want a, they want something to blame. They want a, the players act as a lightning rod for their frustration with the team because they're the people they see constantly on the pitch. And they want to blame them. You will suffer for what we've suffered over the past 18 months. And the reality <laughs> is that we know that Mourinho didn't prioritise fitness. That wasn't It just wasn't his big priority. He was more about trying to change the player's mentality than actually trying to change their physicality. And Conte's come in now and is ramping things back up again. And the reporting of it is almost that that's in conflict with what the players want. I reckon the players are loving this. Look, players are super, super com- competitive. They're more competitive than Bardi, and that is as competitive <laughs> as it gets. They're going to want this. That like Bardi runs marathons for fun. That is, <laughs> in my eyes, that is suffering. But absolutely weird. But, but players will want. They'll want the pressure of being put to the ta- to the task. They will. They will enjoy in a in a sick way. They will enjoy this. And the, the way it's presented is that this is kind of antithetic that they're not going to want they're not going to want to um be part of a fitness regime which which causes them you know temporary physical pain i disagree i think they're going to be they're going to benefit from it they're going to see the benefits of it those that were here when pochettino was here 
are absolutely going to see the benefits and give it a few months and we'll be seeing the benefits as well. Uh, and I, I think the I do think the media's got this twisted. Yeah, and I, I, I think the winner in all of this is Ben Davies, who doesn't go near any oil or seasoning or anything else like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, just while, a final thing on it, while we're, while we're talking about running and stuff, I want to give a little shout out to Carl, who's part of the um, X-Subs Run Club, who did a um, ultra marathon last weekend through Brecon Beacons. 70 kilometer run. Jesus. To him. He's, he's smashed. Nine hours he took him. And that's a shout out to him. That was incredible. That's incredible. What's the recovery from that? Uh, like, what do you know. do the next few days? <laughs> You've got to keep moving, otherwise you just get stiff. I mean, that is... I, I can't even get my head around <laughs> that kind of distance. It's Nine hours. Oh, my goodness. He can eat as much ketchup as he wants for the next week. Yeah, he probably needs to. <laughs> um, so the other the other bit of um, ongoing news is the constant recurring link with Dusan Vlajevic. Um, seems to be very much back on the radar reports today that we've sort of put forward some sort of or we're putting together some sort of offer um, how are we feeling about this one? Um, I think this is quite interesting Vlavic continues to be a bit of a penalties kind of mask his stats he, he, he's very good at penalties um, and it always kind of increases his goal tally Fiorentina have been an interesting team this year they've I think they've played six and once they've won six and lost six so there's no kind of in between mm. ground they've got a new manager who's who's pretty good and they're playing a, a high pressing style so it will suit it would he would fit in quite nicely and he he is a very much a, a Conte target man he's we we know his all-round game is in a strong as Kane's but what what we know is Conte's not really that interested in it he wants a target man so I think I think it makes a lot of sense and um, I think he'll still be quite expensive and I don't see it happening with Kane at the club I guess if we sign him it would probably be a summer thing and it would mean Kane is leaving I think anyway I disagree Ooh. I think I think I mean I'm, I'm open to the idea that, that Kane might be leaving regardless but I don't necessarily think that Vlahovic purchase firstly I don't think that like the money being asked to him is that reasonable or that we'll pay that much in the end. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Um, but even so, I think that like, I think that we'll head towards a three, five, two or at least a front two one way or the other. And I think that you're going to get Kane and son up there. Uh, that makes sense on its own. But then you don't have many players who can replace ease with them in the front line. Maybe Delhi could play one of those roles. Maybe many Spurs fans think that Delhi can't play any role at all. Um, I don't think he's an ideal fit really for the front two. So we're kind of struggling a little outside of that. Obviously, you have the likes of Parrot and Scarlett um, who could potentially come in there. But generally through the squads, there's there's a desire to play the front two because of who they are and what they do as a, as a pair and the way that suits the squad otherwise, but a lack of backup. The thing with Vlahovic is that like he can trade in for either one of those two players. Um, so okay, so his skills are his ability to run in behind, like Son, uh, his ability in the air as a target mm. man, like Kane, and he has a sort of um, a very Conte-esque one-touch back to goal hold up game yeah which is a perfect match for Conte really this is this is a Conte forward all the way around um I think that you can play Vlahovic and Sun together so that Vlahovic is is the target and Sun's making runs off him or you can play Vlahovic and Kane together and and Dusan's making those runs in behind and, and Kane staying deep so I think if you have those three together you play any two of them for every game throughout the season and you get all of the rotation that you need there and a constant stream of quality between the three of 
them. And that is something we've really lacked for these last few seasons, the ability to rest Kane and Son. And we know that Son has obviously needed resting at times. And he's a bit of a streaky player. We love Son. Obviously, he's a wonderful, wonderful player. But he does go on streaks where he fails to do much mm. for sort of get three or four games in a row. And that's where you'd like to like take him out the limelight for a bit and, and put someone else in. So although 70 million, I think it's euros, sounds like a, an awful lot of money. He, he's, he's so raw. Like, I get, yeah. So Barley's right about the penalties. Um, a lot of his, a lot of his goals are from the spot. And like, he's, if Kane's in the squad, he's not going to be taking that many. So it's not that relevant. His, his, his open play production is sort of kicking around across the last like two and a half seasons around half a goal a game or a little mm. under half a goal a game. And his expected goals are kind of similar, which is good. It's really good. Um, and Fiorentina last season more than this season and the one before that were quite poor. Terrible. So he's putting up. Yeah, yeah, he's putting up good, good shot and goal production um, for a bad side. Um, and he's twenty one. He's he, and he's twenty one. His athletic skills are are really outstanding. Um, the, it's the combination of like having height and aerial ability with like explosive pace in behind. Like his movement of the ball is is smart. It's not like really really clever, but his his pace allows him and his his acceleration allows him to get separation. Like I can show you clips where he's getting acceleration on the ball away from a defender. Um, so with that, he's he kind of has like an Erling Haaland kind of uh, ability to him, but obviously scaled down his shortcoming is his his technical ability um sort of across the park really his first touch can be a problem his shooting technique is occasionally questionable um he attempts a lot of dribbles he succeeds in a lot of dribbles because of his space because because of his pace but he will struggle when he has a lack of space that's a hard sentence to, (laughs) to work through um so you, what you're doing is you're gambling on um you're gambling on his athletic talent continuing to scale up as he moves to a more dominant side rather than him just being someone who is suited to being the the big fish in a small pond and and being able to counterattack attack space and behind in those kind of situations um whether you think that he will <laughs> score more goals for a better team or, or whether that might be a mismatch to his skills. So I think that there has to be a reasonable ceiling on how much you're willing to pay for him because of that gamble. Now, I think it is a gamble worth pursuing, uh, but only if you can get a, a decent price at him. And he's a player whose contract is running out. He's been pretty public, or his agent maybe has been pretty public about him not being interested in signing a new one. Um, so I, I'm excited by the prospect of getting this player for a good price. But I think that there, if you're ending up paying 75 million euros, I think you are certainly getting towards overpaying for what can be a bit of a gamble. Mm. I'm not sure there is a world where we have him and Kane, though. I think then Conte really has done something to Levy, really has brainwashed him. <laughs> yeah, I don't see both of them in the squad. Why is that, Bardi? Because they're... It's just the money. Just the money. Just and the money. Having the, two um, premium centre-forwards at once. Exactly. Yeah. We spent the best part of a decade just with one striker, and now all of a sudden he's changed his mind and he'll have two kind of top-class strikers in one team. I think um, if we keep Kane, I think we'll go for a cheaper option or go sell Kane and invest in the future of Vlaovic, which I don't think is a bad, it's not a bad bet. I don't think he's a premium striker yet. Mm. I think he does have the potential to, but I don't think it's a sure thing that he 
you know, scales up to 20 goals a season. Um, if he if he were to be like a regular starter for us, I don't think that's a guarantee. Obviously, it's not a guarantee with anyone, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I, the idea that he's a premium striker is a little bit iffy for me. Mm-hmm. Nathan, uh, Jam Scone says, would you look better with David Luiz's hair or Levy's? Mm, tough one. I, 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 I have been kicking around the idea of Levy's hair. The thing with talking about Levy's hair is that you, I'm imagining Levy's head and he has a slightly funky shaped head mm. and I don't want to have his 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 skull shape, but that's not the case with having his hair. I would have a different head <laughs> and therefore a different appearance falls to him, which I think, I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I need to try out short hair first to get a view of my the shape of my own head. But I think I would be okay. Having said that, I obviously really like David Luiz's hair. I think I would suit David Luiz's hair. I think there's a lot of potential in his hair. Most people, it's not for them, but I would definitely pick David Luiz's hair. I think that'd be a really good fit for me. Mm. <laughs> my, my girlfriend is in the background making strange noises. <laughs> are they are they uh, noises of agreement? They are not dissenting voices. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I, questionable ones. Yeah, I I think I would go for David Luiz's hair. Um, as a, as a balding man, I do I do no, miss suit having you hair. No, so it wouldn't suit me. But I'd have hair. You just trim it down. Yeah, well, no, I don't think I'd be allowed. I, I need to ask Jam Scones whether that's um, part of the arrangement. I guess the the question okay. is: you have David Luiz's hair, or you have Levy's hair. You don't have David Luiz's hair, okay. and then you are able to do with it what you please. Regroom it because okay. I mean that's. That's basically like, would you like hair or no hair, isn't it? <laughs> Fair enough. I um, I've got like, I've got a wig which is a little bit like a Brian May hair, and okay. I look terrible in it. But it's really fun to wear it. I loved. I, I wore it to um the Stranger Things secret cinema, uh, and that involved wearing it into central London in the middle of the day, uh, and it was quite busy, and I got. A lot of attention. I don't normally like attention, but it was really fun. Like being <laughs> dressed up with Brian May's hair. Was, I think we need a picture. Was, yeah, sure. You can have a picture. It was good. <laughs> um, Bardi, I suspect that if you were to grow your hair out, it wouldn't be that dissimilar to David Luiz's. You've got quite curly hair. I think it would need some time because my hair starts to go up. I've never grown it enough to see what gravity will do to it. But it, oh, it, cowards. it just keeps going up and up and bigger and to the sides. So during <laughs> during the pandemic, it was it gets really kind of like like a tennis ball, a bit um a bit John Travolta in Greece, that kind of thing. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, nice. I, I, I would have to go David Luiz because I have, I have a genuine fear of the shape of my skull. I just think I think certain heads <laughs> suit baldness and some of the bald guys that I know, they have a cracking skull. And mm. my my skull just has a ridge to it and a and the divot. I think I think what happened <laughs> is my mum was so afraid of cot death when I was a little kid that she used to wrap me in really tight. And I think I've got like a, a pressure mark on the back of my skull from the mattress. Oh, because man. Not that I was like chained up as a child, but it's just, it's just I mean, not. It sounds it's, like you were. It's a, it's, I think I have a ridge in my skull. I, I've asked many barbers <laughs> about it and they've all looked at me like you're, you're chatting nonsense, but I, I do have a genuine fear about the shape of my skull. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Buddy, this one's definitely for you. Ben Keeney says, as someone in the US who started supporting Spurs in 2013, what's one essential game or experience that new fans need to understand but missed? This is a this is a big question, and I've been thinking about this. And the only the only game that keeps coming into my mind, 
there's, there's two. One is a positive one because I think it's the um, the 5-1 where we beat, I'm talking about my lifetime, obviously, where we beat Arsenal 5-1 in the League Cup semi-final. Yes. I think that game is monumental for many reasons. One, because we didn't beat Arsenal back then and they kept knocking us out in semi-finals. And after we threw away the first leg, it, everybody was nervous about this game. And for some reason, Juan de Ramos just got everything spot on that night from the substitutions, the bit of luck. Um, Wenger kind of under, underestimated us by resting a few players. I think there was a game where he left Adebayor on the bench and Adebayor came on and started a punch up with Bentner because it was oh, just yeah. like they've had to bring me on to fix this situation. But we would normally lose those kind of games. So that's an incredible game. But then there's also the, the Newcastle one with Pochettino. Where it's lost. so weird that came to my mind as well. Because that just shows that that team we had that season was a really, really good team. And we, we pushed pretty hard. We put a lot of pressure on to win the league and in the final game of the season to a relegated Newcastle we lost 5-1 and Moussa Sissoko inspired Newcastle and we lost 5-1 and finished third and Arsenal finished above us so they're, they're two games which are kind of essential viewing one to see the glory of, of how Spurs can un- overcome the odds and the other one is how Spurs can just succumb to the odds they're, those are the two games Nathan anything come to mind for you on that? Just um just having a, a horrifying flashback episode to what <laughs> what Buddy just described there. Um, I don't know. I, I was thinking. See, the thing is that, like, for for a long time, the shadow hanging over Spurs was our Champions League run, and now we've replaced that Champions League run with a slightly deeper <laughs> Champions League run to cast an even longer shadow to hang over us. Um, but I guess that's kind of, that's part of it. Um, I'm trying to think of. Uh, I mean, Should I talk you through mine while you're thinking? Go on, go on. The one that come that came immediately to mind, very sort of what used to be a typical Spurs situation. Um, we were playing Man U at White Hart Lane, I think it's 2000 or 2001, and we raced into a three-goal lead. We were 3-0 yeah. up at half-time yeah. against Man U at home. The yeah. stuff dreams are made of against a strong Man U team as well. You know, these aren't... This isn't like Manu on the wane. This is peak Manu when they've started adding players to sort of build on the squad. So they've added like Veron and Van Nistelrooy to their squad. Mm. They're incredible. And we're playing, you know, Gus Poyet, who by that point resembled a traffic coat. Darren Anderson, who was who was past his best and starting to really struggle with injuries. Um, we had Chris Perry at the back, you know. not We, we weren't at our best, put it that way. And we're 3-0 up at half-time to Manu. And then we lost 5-3. <laughs> We somehow conceded five goals in the second half. Um, yeah, not good. Not good at all. I was I was working that day. I remember I was working um, in B&Q and I, I was able to listen to the first half of the match because I was working in the cash office and we were throwing it up. And I, I remember going out onto the onto the shop floor and seeing some of my colleagues who were Man U fans and like mm. smugly saying, yeah, Spurs are winning 3-0. And they were like, no, don't be stupid. And I was like, honestly, Spurs are winning 3-0. And then... Um, I kind of ran home <laughs> after the game. I didn't want to see anyone. I didn't want to talk to anyone. I didn't want to have to confront what had just happened. Absolutely spurs it up. Losing 5-3 at home, having been 3-0 up. Amazing. I'm, I'm not doing it. I'm, there's there's going to be no lasagna gates. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> From me, you know? I, I, I the, the suffering will come fresh and anew <laughs> from each first experience. You don't need, you don't need the backlog. I, I refuse to, to add to the pylon. Hey, Windy, Dylan Mokande has just won PL2 Player of the Month. Nice. That's good. Yeah, very well deserved. Very pleased for him. And, uh, Conte will be getting a good look at him 
during this international yeah. break because there's no other strikers essentially. So presumably he's playing, he's getting a lot of um, minutes in training matches. Yeah, Suited to a front two? Not really. Not really. And not really suited to a Conte front two. I mean, he's not really a running behind player. He wants the ball to feet and he wants to commit players. He's got better at mm. running behind, I would say. And actually a couple of the goals he scored this season have been from running in behind. But he's definitely a more a ball to feet. You know, think Marcus Edwards, basically. Okay. He wants the ball in front of the defence. He wants to have the ball to his feet with players around him, quick into play with them, quick feet, beat his man, get shots away, get get cutbacks in. Yeah, not so no much. No one cares or wants to hear it, but Marcus Edwards is on a good run of form again He right is, now. he is. Doing very well. I'm pleased for him. Okay. Uh, we've got a series of questions which are basically about about Huipia, um, but I've grouped them as sort of midfield-related questions. So Peter Strom says, um, is the next game the last chance in a while for Huipia to do something on the pitch? Skip must be the one after the after his suspension. And Solar Spurs says, I think Huipia was better when he was pressing higher up the field in his first few days with the team. Should we bring that back? Um, Curtis sort of similarly says the midfield's always a huge struggle for the previous three managers with an impressive attacking force up front we've relied on Huibier to hold midfield under uh, Mourinho then Huibier and Skip under Nuno and it looks like it could be similar under Conte with rumours of us interested or practically signing Kessier do you think Franck Kessier or Weston McKennie would be more beneficial or would offer us something that our shield and defence can't already offer Um, Bardi what do you think? You, I mean, obviously, you're annoyed with Huey at the moment. You, you kind of lost your shit with him in the last episode. Can't tackle. Most tackles <laughs> in the front. Can't tackle, can't pass, can't shoot. What can he do? But it, it's funny because there was that um, expose, wasn't there, about Manchester United. Um, when their players are trending negatively in social media, they'll do something to kind of counteract it. And it was amazing that the, the episode after I, I, I dug out Huyberg, Spurs released that tweet. Um, I'm not saying that Spurs listen to me, but maybe they do. Um, but it's easy to have a lot of tackles when your second touch is a tackle because your first touch is no, so bad. come on. You can't do this to him. Um, is it his last chance? No, of course it's not his last chance. But um, I think we need to be looking at, at a different combination. I really like Skip's energy and his enthusiasm and what he offers us. And I'd like to see someone else played alongside him. It's unfortunate, yeah, that Skip is... Uh, uh, suspended. Um, Weston McKenney, I'm not. I'm not sold on him. I don't like him. Uh, I haven't seen enough from him to for him to be in a midfield that you can build something around. Frank Kessier, yeah, I like a lot, and he's really come on leaps and bounds over uh, over a difficult few years after leaving Atalanta. But that's the, the whole of Milan have suddenly found a, a way of playing, and they look pretty good. But I would like to see something else other than Huyberg. But I, I fully accept that we we are kind of stuck with him for the time being. He's actually um, missing Denmark's match with an injury. Uh, so there's a chance we won't have Skip or Huey for the Leeds game, which would be interesting. And Nathan, what um, what direction do you think our midfield is going to take? I think it's it's um, we've been we've been sort of collectively favouring towards Skip, agreeing that it should be one or the other, and leaning towards Skip on this podcast. I think the thing is that like. Conte wants his deepest midfielder to be like really good on the ball. Um, and that doesn't like Hoivier's not bad on the ball. None of these players are like terrible, like he can't pass donkeys Nathan. or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Except he can't pass. Um, <laughs> but I think that, <laughs> um, 
<laughs> I think that Skip is more suited to that than Hoibia, but I think neither of them are especially suited to that. I think what, and this is why sort of uh, a lot of Spurs fans are saying that Winks is a good fit for, for Conte. Uh, I agree again stylistically that he's a good fit, but I just think he's also not good enough anymore, um, which is a shame. But I think one way or the other, I think it's quite likely that you end up with um, a technical player playing the deepest role, whether that is Ndombele, whether that is Winks, whether that's even Lo Celso. Um, and then you get more of a sort of defensively focused player playing the number eight role, doing a back and forth. And that suits Hoybier more than I think it suits Skip. I think if you're playing Hoybier as, as a number eight ahead of, for example, Ndombele, and he's, he's pressing high from that role and winning the ball high. And okay, sometimes his, his technical limitations might let you down if he gets into the final third. And we have sort of seen him do that recently. Um, but I think that that might be a way for Hoybier to be pretty useful to the squad. And potentially end up leaving leaving Skip out, but but we'll see. Hmm. Is Brozovic that great on the ball? Yeah, I, I'm yeah. not convinced. You know, I, I really like Brozovic. I, I do like Brozovic a lot. Um, I don't think Brozovic is like elite level playmaker. He's a function. He's more of a functional player for me. He's more of a sort of Swiss Army knife. Uh, no, his his first time passing and his ability to intercept is pretty good. Um, he he's able to take the ball under pressure and, and get get rid of it in a sensible manner with one or two touches. Okay, fair enough. I mean, I I think it'll be interesting if Hjubier and Skip were missing for Leeds to see sort of who he'd use and in what. I mean, he'd use Winks, wouldn't he? But who's yeah. he like? Is he going to use three midfield to compensate? Is he going to stick with two? That would be. Um, an interesting call. Tom Hendy says, with all the talk of Conte players, who will be the first to go and all of that boring talk, I've been thinking about Hugo. For years, we lured him for his shot stopping and accept his shortcomings with distribution, especially given the need to improve parts of the squad. Do you think that if this is the club revolution beginning, Lloris may soon be our number two mascot, ambassador or released? I for one hope that he remains at the club in some capacity to be part of any successes. Um, Nathan, you've spoken a little bit about Lloris and uh, the fit with Conte already. Yeah, but like, <laughs> until another keeper has, has come in, like, there isn't an alternative at the club to Lloris. God, no. So, <laughs> right, so it would, it would have to be... Um, we have been linked with Onana again. Um, uh, he's also been strongly linked to Inter at the same time, um, like, with a, with, a, with a high certainty. So I don't know if there's anything there. But yeah, he, he does, again, like with his number six... Um, like Brozovic playing that role, he does want someone who can keep the ball under pressure. And like something that you'll see again and again with Conte teams is they pass all the way back to the keeper and then the keeper waits patiently on the ball. And Lloris yeah. obviously has technical faults, but I think his major issue on the ball is is panic. Yeah. He, doesn't, he never looks comfortable on the ball, right? Anytime he's under pressure, he will just chip the ball yeah, way over his true. fullback's heads. Quite often out for right? a throw. And so it's like, even if you're like, get coaching the, drilling the shapes, drilling the shapes, drilling the shapes, he's like, he knows when and where he's still anytime anyone runs at him, just going to send it into like the stands, you know? And I just think that's a really poor fit. Um, I mean, he'll do, he'll do what's asked of him, but he won't, he won't like do what Handanovic does and just stand over the ball and say, no, you come to me and then I'm going to play this short pass sideways. 
I just don't think he'll ever have that that comfort in his game. Um, he wants to like take a three step run up with his to, for every contact on the ball he makes you go, and it just doesn't it doesn't fit. Um, but again, yeah, we would have to bring in a really good goalkeeper for there to be any reason to not play the race. Yeah, it is a difficult one. You can't right? just have on the ball ability. You've got to be a good goalkeeper as well. Like the trade off is too much to sort of you know Galini's good on the ball, but his shot stopping is horrendous. You can't just sort of downgrade Luis de Galini just because he stylistically fits better. There needs to be an ability to actually goalkeep as well. I think there's some good there's some good options around, some good good players who are good with their feet. Um Rea, Melier, Sanchez, all very, very comfortable with the ball at their feet. Uh and all pretty good goalkeepers as well. Um Bardi, we've been linked with um Dean I Henderson just, a bit, but he's not that great with his feet. I'm I'm gonna reverse my opinion on Lloris. I think I think if we have three three centre backs who can offer themselves up better, I think if we can reduce the amount of thinking that Lloris has to do and our centre backs split nicely and offer them a, a simple passing angle, I think we might be all right with Lloris. Um, I don't think Handanovic is the greatest on the ball. Um, no, no, not spe- not like not. It's just that he he has the like he doesn't have great technical ability, but he has the calmness to to dally on the ball deliberately as as Conte wants him to. But I, I think that calmness comes from having three centre backs and a deep line midfielder who who offer themselves up. I think sometimes sure, sure. the problem the ball goes back to Lloris and he he looks up and he's got <laughs> Sanchez turns his it's back true. on him. Dyer is is God knows where he's staying up the field. Uh, because he doesn't want to receive it, yeah. And yeah. Uh, our holding midfielder is is hiding behind the, the forward. I think if we can reduce the amount of thinking that Luis has to do with his passing, I, I think perhaps he'll sign a, another two-year contract and we will not have to worry for worry about a goalkeeper for a little while longer. I think... I think we may see a renaissance under under Conte for Lloris. And I've been very down on Hugo for many years now, but I, th- I think he'll be okay. And which goalkeeper body are you looking at for the future? Who would you like um, us to line up in terms of succession um, planning? I like um, I like Mike at Milan. I think I think he looks pretty good. Um, Onana is a, is an obvious fit. Um, I'm going to go for Mike Mannion. I could always destroy his surname, poor guy. All right, let's go for Mike. That's what. But he's spot. he's at Milan now, so. Yeah, but Milan, it, it, Milan will forget to renew his contract and we'll get him. In. Okay, sweet. Nice. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen a club quite as bad at renewing contracts as Milan. <laughs> Last week in uh, Derby de la Madonnina, uh, they got um, Chalonoglu's playing for Inter. It's like you're losing, you're losing players like that all the time. Mm. Not that he's good, but they keep losing players. <laughs> Danish Gandhi said, with the back three presumably being our formation in the coming months, could we see the best spell for Davis in a Spurs shirt so far? And does he have the quality at left centre-back to be a top four player? There is um there was something that Alex said on so um Spooky Spooky twenty three dear Mister Levy fame one of the greatest Spurs writers um that we've had he he has a patron and he did a patron with Alex who was at the Everton game and I think it's always interesting to get a view about a view about a player from someone who was at the game and he said Ben Davies was really really aggressive in the way he played and he would just come firing out and try and win the ball immediately and I think that is a really interesting thing to see and I think perhaps if Davies becomes this kind of like ferocious interceptor dives into tackles tries to win the ball I think there may be something there for him because I don't I don't like him but I think I think we may have a role for him Nathan any thoughts on Davis mm, no not really uh I mean the idea, he's had some really good spells for us I just don't think that he's going to put those up again I think that like 
he's winding down in age and he was like at his peak obviously had athletic limits mm-hmm. um i think that he likes his his infield passing i like think he likes that he's still kind of mobile for a center back um obviously yeah the left foot thing is the main thing um I think that there are other solutions. Like so, he played. Um, he played Gary Cahill as the left centre back for an extended period of time for Chelsea, right? So I think that that, that Joe Roden or um, bringing Tanganga in and moving Romero to the left offer otherwise solutions. But whether we find a solution within the squads or whether we go back into the market in January or in the summer, I don't think that Davies is the long term answer to a left centre back. And I think that I think that like. Dyer is in for a good time because we're going to play three at the back. We need to invest in centre back still. Left centre back is a higher priority than centre centre back. So Dyer gets to stick around and, and, and maybe he gets a, you know, an uptick in, in fortune, um, and perception. But I, I don't, I think Davies has been over critiqued in his time at Spurs, but I don't think he's the solution now either. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. I think he is, he's filling a role at the moment and he's, so far, on the basis of the two games he's been involved in, he's filling it pretty well. But I think um, um, really I, top grade. I do think that under Conte, everybody's got a fresh start, and we we talk about players embracing his style of play and and his beliefs. And I I do think there's an opportunity there for Davies to to really assert himself. And he might be. We talk about dark horses that might perk up under Conte and become a a key player. I think he's. I'd definitely put him in that category as, as someone who who could do something. I'm not. Of course, he's he's not the quality to be a top four player, and long term he's not it. But I wouldn't. I'd back him as a as a surprise kind of um out. What would you call it? Stand up player, someone who breaks out underneath Conte. He scored a header for Wales in the international break. I don't recall Ben Davis scoring a header before. There you go. <laughs> the uh, the Conte magic has worked already. <laughs> uh, seasoned Dirtbag says Was wondering if you think there's a place for Lo Celso in con- I'm going to say that again Because Cuti Romero says Lo Celso Was wondering if you think there's a place for Lo Celso in Conte's team He's been very disappointing under a few managers now Would Conte's system and coaching help to revive his career And finally show us the best of him I'm going to sort of I'm going to reject the question because I don't think he has been disappointing under a few managers. I think uh, he didn't play under Pochettino because he was injured uh, and he would play well under Mason. He struggled with everyone, did under Mourinho and, and Nuno Spirito Santo. Some didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but, the but Bardi, do you think um, Lo Celso has... Do you think Conte's system and coaching can help to revive his career? I mean, I was very surprised at Cuti Romero's pronunciation of Lo Celso mm. as well. It, it, that came out of nowhere. And um, a little that takeaway. That was a sweet the, video. Oh, very sweet video. Romero's just a big kid, isn't he? He's lovely. He's, lovely. he's just got that, he's got a big goofy smile and big old yeah. ears. He's just such a nice, nice, funny looking man. And um, yeah, I got a lot of time. <laughs> I, got, I, liked, I loved him before. Now I, I love him even more. I, I, he could be my son. I'd, I'd adopt him. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I feel in the same way about La Chelsea. La Chelsea, Jesus. As, as I do, do it, about do Berg. Yeah, I've embraced it, La Chelsea. I'm feeling the same way I do about Berg. I think he's got a lot to prove. Um, he, can he be revived? Of course he can, but I'm curious to see see what happens. I, I, there is a, the whole kind of um, momentum against him amongst our fan base. The sway, the swing has been pretty big and pretty strong. He's got he's got some way to go to, to reverse that. It's so stupid. It's like, I think it's the most stupid thing our fan base has done in a long time, to be honest. Like, pick on, <laughs> pick on the Chelsea of all players. 
Um, it's the it's the price tag. That's what it is. It's the price tag. It's nothing more than the price tag. It's like what happened with Lamella. Uh, it's it's Lamella Mark II. Um, Nathan, do you do you sort of feel he fits into Conte's system pretty well? It's not a per- it's not a perfect fit stylistically, um, but I think he's a quality player, and that Conte is a quality coach, and that is a recipe for success. I did a Twitter poll a couple of hours ago. Oh yeah. Uh, so I said I named. Delhi Lacelso, or I, I named Delhi Geo, <laughs> and Dombele, right? And I said, um, which of these will be well regarded by fans, or and or first eleven players by the end of the season? And I given the options of zero out of three, one out of three, two out of three, and three out of three. And two out of three is currently leading forty nine percent. One out of three is close behind with forty uh, percent. And uh, zero and three are way, way down. Um, so, because uh, we keep discussing these players individually and collectively basically every episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to sort of group it together and then come back to this um, in several months' time and see where people are. But, but clearly most people are either playing the odds or have written off at least one of those players mm-hmm. completely. Where, where are you? Um, I I think at least two out of three. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think individually, all of them have a strong case. I think collectively, like the odds are that like maybe one just doesn't work out for whatever reason. Um, but I think I think two out of three is pretty safe, and three out of three is definitely plausible. Um, I mean, for 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 all of the disrespect that Delhi gets, and all of the fighting I've done on his behalf, he doesn't have a Twitter account dedicated to clipping his oh, moments. The it's it's weird. It's really weird. And like I've been really really critical of, of Spurs players, uh, and I and I appreciate that I have an audience here, and I do that, and I I can be you know I can take the piss sometimes, but like dedicating a Twitter account to like moments of failure is is I think that's I think that's weird. It's very. It's, you're not a Spurs fan if you're doing that, in my opinion. You're not a Spurs supporter. You're by definition not a Spurs supporter. I mean, you, like you say, you, everyone can criticise players. It's it's fine to sort of watch a match and judge a player's performance. That's that's normal. That's what we all do. Foot players do that. I'm sure they they have those discussions with amongst themselves about themselves. I did do um, all of Kieran Trippier's three dribbles of the 16-17 season compilation once. <laughs> Two of them were backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. It was brilliant. Yeah. To be fair. You, so you maybe, maybe I'm on bully. shaky ground. You, you horrible, yeah. horrible bully, Nathan. No, I mean, the, the, the Twitter account is just weird. Um, the, the sort of groundswell of opinion, it's weird how it's crept up as well. So, so I feel it's crept up, yeah, that's it. It's just like I can't see quite where it's. I think it's the price tag. I think um, I think it's okay. I think it's the price tag. I think it's the fact that he spends a lot of time rolling around on the pitch, which is true. I can't deny that he does. I like it. <laughs> I like the shit housing. I find it funny. <laughs> um, some people don't. Very Latin. Um, yeah. And I think also <laughs> when players play better for their national team than their club team, people find that offensive without digging deeper and sort of seeing, well, maybe it's because the national team has a structure that suits them. Maybe they're, maybe the coach is getting more out of them. Um, Did a video on that recently. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it's ridiculous to... The, the corner was bad, but it's ridiculous to it's sum up really someone's career at Tottenham or whether or not they're a failure over a corner. This won't be the last corner that doesn't make it to the near post. It was a bad corner. Um, yep. and Terrible corner. The percentage of scoring... Like, it, it was a, what, a, a 4% chance, 10% chance that that would have been a goal anyway. So it's a bit ridiculous to bash him over that. But there are... It is the price tag and it is the rolling around and it is the, the, the key 
he should be a key part of this team and he should be the one that's linking the midfield to the forwards and it's just not happening for him. So I can see why people have gone after him and I go after him occasionally. And as for being good on the international level, there's plenty of players who are great at club football and terrible playing for their national team. Yeah. Is this not, it's not a thing that you, I'm, he's brilliant for, for Argentina, he should be great for Tottenham. That doesn't relate. It's different situation, as you said, different speed, different type of football and everything else. Um, I hope he comes good but I do have a feeling that he's, his positioning and the type of player he is might not work under Conte and this will probably end as, as, a, as a failure and as we sell him if we can recoup any money You said something then Bardi that I just want to pick up on because I think you I think you're really onto something um, you said that uh, he's not he's, he's struggling to link the midfield to the forwards and so I think there's this sort of People take a position, don't they, as to whether it is the fault of the individual players in our team to link the midfield to the forwards or whether it's the fault of the system. Or maybe it's a bit of both. Um, but I'm, I lean very heavily on the fact that I think it's the system that's that's meaning our players struggle to link the midfield to the forwards. And I think now we have a system under Conte, we will find the midfield suddenly links to the forwards. I, I will see in a few months' time whether that's the case. Um, but many people don't think it's a system. They think that under Mourinho, under Nuno, whoever... The problem is the players. It's 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 Ndombele, it's the Celso who just aren't good enough at linking the midfield to the forwards and therefore they are the ones to blame. If we sell them and replace them with better players, we will suddenly be able to link the midfield to the forwards again and I think that's stupid. I mean, it's it's stupid, but it's it's also they, they're looking at it, we're just going to upgrade the parts. The car doesn't go very fast, let's put a better engine in, let's put some flashy wheels and make it faster that way. I think... I think Nathan said this before, maybe he said it on Reddit, or maybe I heard him say it about, he's been defending our players and saying they're really good. And I think this is now the next six months. Yep. Our players have the opportunity to prove that whether or not they're good. And like I said for Ben Davies, there are individuals that will excel under this and work great. There'll be individuals that will fail and we will have to sell and move on. Yep, good points. Um, one more before we finish off. Russ Green says, you open the new Football Manager 22 Start as the Spurs manager. What are your priorities to deal with? Sorting out the canteen. <laughs> Is that what you do, Bardi? First, first day of the job. That's what I always do in football manager. You go in immediately, you get rid of any coaches that aren't up to levels, and then you just hire your whole coaching staff. That's what I do anyway, and then automate all the training because I, I can't be bothered taking training. <laughs> I like that you've chosen to actually like go along with this as a how you literally do football manager because I was thinking like it was a it's a metaphorical. What would you do if you were Conte? Type thing. Oh, okay, fine. I thought no, he no, was asking for football manager advice. No, I, I mean he was. He, mm. he was. So you've taken it literally. I think that's fine. Um, Nathan, how about you? Uh, okay, so it started this season. I'm the Spurs manager. I um I deliberately deploy a series of tactics where we simultaneously vacate the midfield and also play over the midfield until I get sacked in mid-November, and then Conte can come in and replace me. And you get a handsome payout in the yeah yeah. You're a smart man, Clark. <laughs> Obviously, I uh, I sack all the first teamers and promote the youth players. That's the obvious. Answer. Yeah, that's the that's the windy line. Just yeah, absolutely. how was um. Because we were talking about Marcus Edward, how's Josh Onoma? What's he up to these days, Wendy? Um, bit mixed, to be honest. He started off the seat, so he started off the season injured. That's uh, that's the story of Onoma's career, and then he became a prominent part of Fulham's midfield, and then he got injured again. That's the story of Josh Onoma's career, and he's not got back in because they've been playing really well since he's been injured. So I, I haven't checked the last few games, but he didn't, he hasn't, has, hadn't been playing. 
um, for a bit. But uh, if they come up again, I think um, he'll he'll play some Premier League football again. Good for him. Yeah, I'm pleased. I I do. I definitely feel like he was one whose career we completely mismanaged. Um, same with the Walker Peters. Good players who who weren't handled particularly well, and we you've been listening to probably the could have made a lot more money Thanks on both of them if we handled them better. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud D Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. Great, great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review, that would really help.